This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Amy Trask, and you are listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Tip. Yes, it's Cinco de Mayo Eve on the eye test for two. And I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both Hall of Fame voters joined today as we are every week by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glennon. And soon, Ira, soon we're going to have Hall of Fame voter, colleague, and longtime friend of ours, Mr. Pete Doherty of Green Bay, to talk. Yes, Aaron Rodgers. Boy, talk about a bombshell, Ira. Now, I knew we'd be discussing quarterbacks after this year's draft I just didn't know it'd be this quarterback you know Clark a year ago every NFL national show led with Tom Brady joining the Bucks. that was the story of the offseason and Clark until this thing is resolved and who knows when it will be resolved Aaron Rodgers will be the talk of every national NFL show that's just the way it is when you got a three-time MVP I don't see that being resolved anytime soon. I bet we'll be talking about it, honestly, four to five months from now. And, you know, something sticks in my mind, Clark. I said it to you on this podcast before, uh, during the regular season. There's something about Rodgers. He's great. He's intelligent. But there's something about him that I just don't think he has great leadership skills. And I just don't think he has. Apparently, you and Terry Bradshaw agree. Did you see what he said? (laughs) I did. I did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and for those who missed it, Terry Bradshaw said about Aaron Rodgers, him being upset shows me how weak he is. And that's a direct <laughs> quote. Wow. Well, I know, Ian, I know you want to talk quarterbacks, but I know you don't want to talk about that quarterback. You want to talk Mac Jones. So is Mac Jones the savior for your New England Patriots? You know, uh, if if my luck is anything, then yes, he will be, and I'll get another twenty years of unprecedented uh, success following this team. Hopefully, that that will take me to uh, my later years, and I'll be happy with that. Realistically, so I have they, no idea. <laughs> when they announced that pick, you were doing jumping jacks in your living room. I, I mean, I, I was. I, it was expected. I've been saying for a while, and I actually might have even said it on on this show. But uh, I I thought their best option was to roll the cam and draft a quarterback, and and this was the quarterback available. And I'm still not completely on tune with uh, you know the the athletic quarterback taking over the league quite yet. I'm still kind of old fashioned in that sense, and I still think that a pocket passer is still a great pocket passer is better than any great running quarterback in my opinion so uh hopefully he does become great yeah no i agree with you on that um and i I go back to what ernie acorsi told us several weeks ago about the cost of missing on a top five quarterback we had three quarterbacks come off the board with the first three picks and that's the first time that's happened since 1999 now if you remember in 1999 the first three picks were tim couch of cleveland donovan McNabb of philadelphia and akili smith of the Cincinnati Bengals. One of those three made it. One of those three made it. And there's Akili Smith calling in. He didn't like that. He didn't like us talking about him in, in a negative way. Anyway, 
one of those three made it, and that was Donovan McNabb. There were five taken in the first 12 picks, and really only one was consequential. And again, that's Donovan McNabb. I realized Dante Culpepper was okay at 11, but he didn't last beyond seven years in Minnesota, and then he disappeared. But when Ernie said, if you miss in the top five, you set yourself back five years, I think he's absolutely right. So I guess it's a long way of saying to you or asking you, of these top three, who misses? What's the biggest gamble? Uh, I, I think I, I think the Jets, Zach Wilson. We shall see. We shall see. Mostly because I don't think anybody can succeed with that franchise. I think it's a, a forlorn franchise. And Clark, one more quick note. While these other teams are falling over each other and trying to move up the draft board for quarterbacks, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers went into the draft saying, hey, we need a couple of players on special teams. Let's go get some special teamers. That says it all, Mr. Clark, all about your Buccaneers. Just for our listeners, that is the uh, Chamber of Commerce president for Tampa, Ira <laughs> Kaufman speaking. Um, you know, I wonder about Trey Lance, too, with San Francisco, and Ian, I can bring you in on this, because I cover the 49ers. They gambled on a quarterback who's got a great resume, 30 touchdown passes, one interception. But he played 17 games, 17 starts, against FCS competition. He, he had great numbers, but he's a guy that you wonder, is that worth gambling three first round draft picks and a third rounder for a guy who's thrown 318 career passes in college against that competition? It's the fewest, by the way, of any quarterback taken in the first round in the common era draft. So I, I don't know if that's a reach. I, I wonder, and I think if it is, Somebody's going to pay, and it'd be the GM, John Lynch, and it'd probably be the head coach, Kyle Shanahan. No question about it. Um, I'll say this, Clark. I, I trust the Shanahan-Lynch tandem. I, I do trust them, and they're not going to move up to three on the board without a guy in mind. Obviously, this guy was the one in mind because they knew who was going off one and two. And you got to think they did their due diligence, Clark. That doesn't mean they're going to hit on Lance. But if they don't hit on him, it, will, it won't be because of lack of uh, preparation. I, I trust them. And full disclosure for our listeners, that is Ira Kaufman who presented general manager John Lynch to the pro football <laughs> selectors. And you got don't miss him a in. trick. You don't miss a trick, Clark. <laughs> you got him in. Hey, last question for you guys. And Ian, I, I would like to get your take on this. The, the AFC East to me is suddenly, how do I say this? Interesting. I think it's interesting. You've got Buffalo, which could be a team to challenge Kansas City in the AFC. I think it was last year. It certainly was. It looked like they're on the up and up. But now it's not New England and the Three Stooges. I mean, you've got Buffalo. Miami's coming off a 10-6 and six year. They look like they are pretty well armed to go forward with their draft picks. They look like they've got an idea what they're doing. Of course, it depends on the quarterback. You've got, honestly, the New York, New York Jets, who I think, you know, despite Ira's reservations about Zach Wilson – and I think they're, they're well-placed, I do. But I think the Jets under Joe Douglas look like they know what they're doing. They've made some smart personnel moves. And then you've got New England. So it looks like it's an interesting wide-open race. I, I said it wasn't necessarily the, the best division, but it might be the most competitive. And, yeah. um, you know, Buffalo, I think, right now deserves to be the favorite. But, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, Buffalo is all of a sudden – the team that we haven't known for the last 25 years. So I, I'm not going to give them just the division this year. It could be Miami. It could 
be New England if Cam Newton plays pretty well or the you know the the upside being uh, Mac Jones coming in and playing his way into that starter's position. So, you know, I I I'm excited to see how it plays out. I do think that the Jets are are firmly number 4 in this division, but for the first time in a very long time like you alluded to, I I like the direction that not only the coaching staff is going, but the management is going. Woody Johnson's still involved. But at least and that's the, why yeah. they're number four. Yes, <laughs> yes by four. default. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the topic that has the attention of NFL fans everywhere, and honestly, will be for the foreseeable future. And that's what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. For an answer, we're going to turn to Hall of Fame voter and bicycling enthusiast Paul Doherty. <laughs> Paul Pete Doherty. <laughs> Sorry, Pete of the Green Bay Press Gazette, and Pete. Uh, what is going on with Aaron Rodgers? There is a Paul Doherty in uh, journalism. I think he works at the Cincinnati Inquirer. So you know what? Pete, I, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. He's a longtime friend of mine. I worked with him in Baltimore, and he is in Cincinnati. So yes. Okay. You're right. Well, then I'll really let you off the hook because you know we've only known each other like ten years or so. <laughs> That's right. For you know, Pete's no sake. No, no problem. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. What, what was the, the the question is. Why do I get Pete Doherty mixed up with Paul Doherty? <laughs> no, the question is, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you're there in Green Bay. I don't know how people there are responding to it, but what exactly is going on there with him? And how do you see this thing playing out? Yeah, the playing out part, um, you know, we could take up an hour there just going through all the possible uh, scenarios. They're basically where they are. The, the major reason is that the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round last year. And that really upset Aaron Rodgers. He wants to play till he's at least 40, maybe longer. And he felt like that was just a huge slap in the face and that they're trying to push him, that the GM is trying to push him out the door. And that was the plan all along when they picked him. Um, the Packers definitely made a huge mistake in not having good communication with them, letting him know the pick is coming. A uh, scout I talked to in the league said, you know, you don't just call him on the day of the draft and say, we're going to do this. You have to have a pre-existing relationship where you talk to him a lot. Farvis told me, I know Ron Wolf used to talk to him a lot and say, Hey, how you doing? How are things in the locker room? What do you think of the team? Ted Thompson didn't do things that way. And I think Gutekunst who would have learned in the office from Thompson hadn't done things that way. So that was a, that was a very big mistake. And it might have created enough trust where they wouldn't have gotten here. I'm not convinced of that, but there's certainly the possibility. But the crux of the matter is they drafted Love and Rodgers was really upset and it stuck with them. You know, Mike Freeman wrote uh, last year um, when they picked him, Rodgers is a world-class uh, grudge holder. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. He went out and played great. And now he's turning the tables on the, on the Packers. So, Pete, why now? I mean, why not a year ago? But why now is this happening, playing itself out? I think because he had to go out and play and, you know, have a good year. I, I mean, I think that's the, the main reason. And uh, he, he had, it had time to fester with him. Um, but I, I don't know exactly. I can't for sure say that's the reason. But I, I'm guessing he, you know, because he had come off, um, he had broken his collarbone. Right. And then he had a not a very good season in 18 where he was disgruntled with McCarthy's offense. He hated that offense. They went six, nine and one McCarthy got fired. And then LaFleur came in. Uh, his first year was uh, 19 and the offense, I mean, they went 13 and three, went to the championship game. I think he felt like he had, uh, he had something to prove 
to actually have the leverage to have any say in this. And I, you know, this was his chance to, um, you know, stick it to the Packers and he's, and he's doing it. He was just really upset that they picked love. Pete, I'm looking at the Packer depth chart, Peter, and, and I don't see where green Bay's got many options in this situation that I, I believe they only have two quarterbacks on the roster, Pete. And if Rogers leaves or he gets traded or he doesn't show up, Pete, what are the odds that they uh, they bring in a veteran rather than uh, going with Jordan Love? I would think they would need to bring in at least somebody to compete uh, for the job. I mean, Love was viewed as a huge project, even you know, a lot of arm talent, but like more of a project than more first rounders are. Um, so I and then last year, you know, the pandemic season, no offseason program, abbreviated training camp, no preseason games. He was the number three last year. So he's not even getting very many scout team snaps in practice and, and he's getting zero with the, with the first team. Uh, so I think the guy's got a long ways to go. So I would assume just, let's just say it plays out where they want to, where they end up trading him. I would think they would want some, a veteran quarterback who could at least start the season as the starter if they needed to, or wanted to, I would think that would have to be part of the deal. And if Rogers just, if they wait him out and make him hold out, you know, then they'd have to go and get. Pete, uh, one more thing about Aaron Rodgers uh, from uh, an observer. Now you're there all the time, so I want to get it from you, but I've set the clock on this podcast and I think it was reinforced to me during the game in, in Tampa during the regular season. Uh, after the Packers were up 10, nothing, he threw a pick six and, and Green Bay basically folded up and, and never did a thing after that. Uh, Pete, his body language kind of over his career. I don't know. I just get a feeling he's not a great leader, Pete, when, when things are going wrong, uh, but he's a tremendous front runner. Um, is that fair about Aaron Rodgers? Well, the body language thing, you know, that has been, that had been an issue since the start. Uh, he became a starter in 08 and by 09 and 10, that was showing up. And especially after they won the Super Bowl, it seemed like in the past, two or three years, it's, it, it improved quite a bit. I think even, you know, McCarthy talked to him about it and LaFleur for sure. Um, but it still crops up at times. And, you know, I think you're, you would have some people who would agree with you on that IRA for sure. Um, you know, they early in his career, he didn't have many comeback wins. He's accrued a lot of those since then. I know by front runner, you might mean more how things are going generally than in any particular game. But, um, you know, there are, there are, you have people who would agree with you. I've seen both. I've seen it go both ways. I've seen them bring them back uh, some, in some games too and with some great late rallies. So I'm less certain about it, but um, you're not alone in those sentiments, put it that way. We're the Hall of Fame voter, Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette and Green and Green Bay's uh, in up in arms, I would assume, Pete, with this story. How's it going over with people and fans there? Um, are they taking sides? What's the mood of that town? Yeah, so, um, you know, this is just based on um, emails I'm getting, checking out Twitter replies to uh, reactions to my stories and uh, our other stories, um, running into people you know, in town, like, like at the gym or wherever. Um, well, I think the sentiments against him, um, and this is a statewide thing. I mean, this, the Packers are the biggest thing in the state. It's not just green Bay. They are huge in this state. Um, 
I'm just kind of making this up or pulling numbers out of thin air because I, you know, haven't done a Gallup poll, but I'm thinking it's maybe 70, 30 against, um, you know, maybe, maybe 65, 35, something like that would be my best guess. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, what it reminds me of, frankly, is the Brett Favre situation. And I was in Green Bay, I think either the year that that was going on or the year after, and I think it was the year after, and I saw some fans with t-shirts and it had the outline of the state of Wisconsin and it had his picture in the middle of it. And it said, thanks for the memories, Brent. <laughs> I, I, re I remember those. So you know, to be, to, I, when I think back to that, Clark, you know, when it, when that went down, the fan sentiment was clearly swung towards fire. Cause that's he, right. Yeah, that's right. Fun to come back. And I think even when they traded him and he went to the jets, I bet the jets, uh, whenever they were on locally, I bet their ratings were really good. Um, but I, what happened was when he, then he got himself cut, he basically retired again and got himself cut from the jets so he could go to the Vikings. Yep. And that's when everything swung against him because he went to the hated Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, that's, that's when like the fan sentiment, if it was 75, 25, his way, it flipped the other way around. Yeah, no, that's what I remember. And um, I guess it may, may have been a couple of years later, but I remember that I couldn't stop laughing. Also, uh, Ira, what you were saying about the, the body language, I, I'd be a little careful there only because I lived in New York when Eli Manning was drafted. And that was the criticism of him from the very beginning, body language. If you watched him, looked like he just didn't care. They were walking off the field. And then he won a Super Bowl and suddenly it disappeared. People didn't care about the body language. Hey, Eli's our man. Uh, and he never changed. He still looked the same, never changed. But uh, now they want to put him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But anyway, um, I, I've heard that criticism before. And, and um, one other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Pete, is, is on this situation. Is it, I mean, who's, is it analogous to the, the Favre situation? Because I look here and I think, Who's got the leverage? And, and I would think, because I heard you use that word earlier, I would think it's the Packers because they don't have to do anything. And I saw somebody tweet out last week, if I know the Packers well, and it might have been, Ira, it might have been Andrew Brandt, uh, guest of ours on the show, but it might have been Andrew Brandt. If I know the Packers well, they're basically going to say, hey, listen, you got two choices. You either play here or go host a game show. You, those are your two choices. And, and when it comes down to it, it seems to me that – could be pretty much the situation because Green Bay could say, listen, we don't have to do anything. We've got your successor here. Now, I don't care if he's ready or not, but we've got him and we're going to play him. So you can sit there and talk about being traded. We're not going to trade you. Are, are these irreconcilable differences or do you think something can be resolved? Uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's, that'll be up to Rogers. I, I think it's the balls in his court on that. <clears throat> they clearly want him back. Uh, they've capitulated completely. Yep. It sounds like they balked when he first wanted to do a contract extension, or at least they balked on the way he wanted to restructure the contract, I think is what happened. Mm -hmm. And then when he was really upset about that and said he wanted a, an, ex an extension and a, a guarantee, some kind of guarantee financially that he's their quarterback the next two or three years, they capitulated. They have, they've made three guys made trips out there by uh, on their own. Murphy, Gutekunst, and Lafleur each made a trip out there. Um, but, you know, they've capitulated on every front. So he's he can get what he wants, and it's just a matter of whether that's still good enough or not. Um, the one thing that I would be concerned about if I was them, and maybe they're not, is 
you know, cause you're right on the leverage thing, but in 2018, he was a disgruntled employee. He wasn't mad at the front office, but he just was done with Mike McCarthy as a football coach. I think he liked him as a guy, but he just hated that offense. He watched that Monday night game. I don't know. You probably don't know. Don't know if you remember there was that Monday night game with the Rams and Vikings in like week three that year, where it was just a huge offensive game. And McVay's offense was just smoking up and down the field. And I talked about that. He watched that and he was really intrigued by it. So he sees all that and he thinks McCarthy's offense is outdated. And he just was not engaged to the degree you need your quarterback to be engaged. I don't want to say any tank games or anything like that, but the, the vibe around that team was just not good. They beat Buffalo that year in week three, 22 to nothing, 22 to nothing. Win at Lambeau field comes into the press conference and he was really surly, but four questions in, I said, geez, you don't seem very happy, Aaron. What's, you know, what's going on here? And he's he started going into this rant about how the offense, you know, they, how bad the offense is that they didn't, you know, they didn't put the, their foot on the gas pedal, all that stuff. So I just wonder, I would be concerned that he would be unhappy. It'd be the same thing all up. They go six, nine and one that year McCarthy gets fired. I would just be concerned that it would, kind of undermine their season, not saying it would get the coach or the GM fired. I don't think it would, but they've got a chance to win a Super Bowl. They have a good team. They have some, they have talent on that team. Don't buy the argument that they haven't given him weapons. They're wep- they were the most scoring offense last year. Yeah. They've got some, they've got some good players on that team. Um, but I, so I would just be concerned that he would just undermine it. And then a year from now, he's a year older. You can maximize his trade value. Now that's what they have to weigh. At least right now, it looks like they probably are willing to wait him out, get to camp, see if he shows up. I mean, if he doesn't show up till the start of the season, you know, if you're the Packers, kind of so what? He doesn't really need camp, does he? Not that much anyway. Um, but will he show up and what will he be like? You know, he's will he be fully engaged and, you know, bound and determined to get down to the Super Bowl? Pete, uh, there's no question uh, Roger's going to be wearing a gold jacket, but I want to, Pete, I want to ask you about a couple of former Packers. One's very close to Canton, and uh, one in your mind might might be on his way. So, Pete, talk a little bit about Leroy Butler, who's got a darn good chance for the class of uh, 2022. And Sterling Sharp, Pete, who a lot of people don't remember, but I believe you could argue in the early 90s, was the best receiver in the National Football League. What's it going to take to get some momentum for Sterling Sharp? Yeah, um, so Butler, um, you know, I feel good about the momentum on that case. I think his case stacks up, you know, really well with, um, you know, Lynch and Atwater and even Palomalu. I think, you know, those guys are all very comparable players. Uh, they each had different strengths and weaknesses, but I think the argument for Leroy is just as good as for those guys. Um, so I think that's looking pretty good. I, I think he's, there's only like four guys with um, trying to remember the numbers now, 20 sacks and 35 interceptions at least. And he's one of those four and the others are Charles Woodson, you know, who we put in in a nanosecond and Dawkins and Leroy. And I think uh, right. Barber's the other one who I think yeah. he's got. I think the case, his case is going to, you know, move up the, the list as time goes on here. So I think Leroy's chances look pretty good. You guys, you know, probably read the room better than I do. So you'll know better, but I get the sense that you're sympathetic to his case. So 
I think things are looking okay out there. Am I reading that right? Yeah, with me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Sharp, I know Wolf is huge on Sharp. And Wolf didn't draft him, so it's not like, you know, it's a feather in his drafting cap. Um, He did. I think he led the league twice in catches. Three times. Three Three times. times. So, you know, in an an abbreviated career, you know, that, you know, Terrell Davis getting in has opened the door some to the shorter career guys. Um, so I think though, he's a, uh, I think did Sterling graduate to senior status yet? I think he might've. He may have. Oh. I, I, yeah, he may have. I, I, don't, I think I don't, this is, this might be the year where he doesn't in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Which means his last year was nine. His last season was he retired early in the 95 season. So okay. 95 was his last year. So 2001 was the first year he was eligible for the hall. So you're right. This is this is the whoa 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 now he may he may 21 uh one yeah he i think he's i think he's gone I think yeah he's just i think he is class. so he's gone so yeah that's up class. to are you i'm trying to remember are you on the seniors committee you're on one of those committees right clark no i'm on the uh, yeah the uh comp uh, the contributor committee but ira's on the senior committee yeah that's okay so it's in your hands now ira what do you think of his case uh, i'm looking at i'm looking at his career uh pete and, and i think he was the best at what he did for about five years. And, you know, with all due respect to Terrell Davis now, and he also played, you know, Pete, he played two playoff games and, and scored four touchdowns. Now it's a short sample size, I understand, but I think the guy was fantastic. And, uh, you know, he didn't always have Brett Favre thrown to him either. Uh, so I'm going to take a long look at Sterling Sharp. And uh, you know what? I might be talking him up on your behalf, Pete. <laughs> you know, the one of the problems is, and I know Clark knows this because I see his, you know, tweeting out all the stories that uh, uh, those guys are doing. But, you know, you've got um, you got Vern Llewellyn, who's got yep. a great case. I mean, John, uh, uh, Johnny Blood, who was in the first I think he was in the first Hall of Fame class, said Llewellyn should be in before him. He was the best guy on Packers won three straight titles, 29, 30, 31. And Llewellyn was their best player. Yep. He's their stud. Uh, so you got him. You've got uh, Lavi Dillwig. Um, you know, you want to talk about short career guys. Cecil Isbell, you know, his first, I mean, he only played five or six years. His numbers stack up incredibly well with Sammy Baugh. Yep, that's right. That's for right. Uh, I got one more, uh, Clark, one more question for our distinguished guest, Pete. Hey, all right, you cut him off there. He was going down the list. He was going to get a Gill Gillian too. Come on. Yeah, I had a filibuster. Uh, he's going. About, what are you doing, Ira? He's about to get to Gail Gillingham in, in another minute over there. Uh, Pete, uh, quickly, uh, what's going on with uh, David Bakhtiari, uh, one heck of a tackle who happened to uh, tear his ACL four months ago? What's going on with that rehab, Pete? And lastly, for me, Pete, thanks for doing this. Um, 11 interceptions, you know, for a 13-win team, 11 interceptions. I think maybe only two or three from the cornerback position. Uh, how much are they counting on uh, this Eric Stokes kid? And, uh, how, you know, how much work needs to be done in that secondary, Pete? Yeah, so for as far as Bakhtiari goes, he tore the ACL December 30th. You know, they usually wait a week to 10 days or ten maybe it's 10 days to two weeks to do the surgery. So he had it in mid-January. Um, the people I've talked to who are expert on this stuff and having observed this medical staff, you know, they've had this doctor for almost the whole time I've been doing the beat and we're talking 29 years there. Um, 
they, I just don't see any way they'll let him play uh, much before nine months. Uh, the guys who come back from less than nine months, they have a much higher rate of arthritis and compensatory injuries and all that. So I think that puts him at the earliest back at, you know, really early October. I'm thinking he's going to miss anywhere from three to eight games. Um, they, they say the rehab's going great. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard a team in a press conference say, well, no, this rehab's not going well at all. You know, <laughs> doesn't look good. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I don't know if you can believe that or not, but uh, he's a, he's a worker and all that stuff. So I would guess if I had to bet, I would bet on like a mid October return for him somewhere, somewhere in there. Um, Stokes will probably play. I don't know if he'll start. It depends on who they're, they got a new defensive coordinator this year, a guy from the, uh, a guy from the Rams, Joe Barry. Um, they want to run that same defense that the, that the Rams were running under Staley. So I don't, we don't know who they're going to play. They won't say who they're going to play in the slot. That's a key position. That's the, it's, it's a filter down of the Don Capers defense. You know, that's the Charles Woodson position. So will they move? They got a safety savage. Who's a playmaker. Will they move him there? Will they move, um, Jair Alexander, their best corner there. Uh, so that depends. What they do there will have a lot to say about whether Stokes has a really good shot at starting as a rookie. Those guys always get hurt. He's going to play a fair amount, I'm sure, one way or another. Um, they really liked everything about him. Uh, the one thing I've heard is his ball skills aren't aren't great, but he's got everything else, size, speed, uh, quickness, huge character, great locker room guy, all that stuff. Pete, I've got a couple last questions, and thanks again for joining us. Uh, the first is I heard you refer to Aaron earlier as um, disgruntled when Mike McCarthy was there, and it seems to me that adjective has come up before with him, whether it's on the field or off the field. And uh, bottom line question here, what's going to make him happy here? I mean, people speculate is the firing of the GM, Brian Gutekunst. I mean, uh, it, it's certainly not money. What's going to make him happy if he's going to return to the Packers, if anything can? Yeah, probably nothing. Um, maybe feeling like he got the win because he got his contract mm-hmm. work. Because I'm assuming that if that doesn't happen, he won't come back. Um, but they, they're open to it. So mm-hmm. maybe that will. I think he's a guy who is kind of always a little unhappy about something. Yeah, it seems that way. Happy person. I mean, you know, you talk to him in the locker room, he's a happy guy. But I think he's always just something's something about the way things are being run. Yeah, it's kind of bother him, and I'm not so sure that the Packers don't think that's uh, you know that might be a good thing because he will take it out on the field, you know, and play that way and play great, you know. Um, but I think that's just kind of part of his personality too. So I, no matter where he goes or who he's playing for, that's going to be it's going to crop up at times, and you just live with it. Well, so an interesting note the other day. I'm sure you've seen it probably tweeted out before. Bart Starr played 16 seasons with the Packers. Brett Favre played 16 seasons with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has played 16 seasons with the Packers. That's a long time. What's the problem with number 17? <laughs> is it the brats there? Is it the winters? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, that is really, really coincidental. Starr broke down. His body just gave out. Yeah. We all know the Favre story. That is, that is funny, though. You know, and another funny, I just got an email from a fan about this. And I hadn't, I had forgotten about it. Star won the league MVP in 66. That was his only MVP in the draft. In the next draft, Lombardi picked Don Horn in the first round. He was a quarterback. That's right. So this has been going on. That's right. 
have been going on since day one in football. That's right. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I'm going to ask you quickly, how would you stack those quarterbacks in terms of, um, I don't know, the greatness for the Packers, Starr, Rodgers, and Favre? Who, who would you put number one? That is so hard. If I, I mean, gun absolutely to my head, I'd go Favre, Rodgers, Starr. Yeah, okay. Um, and then lastly, this question's for Ira. Um, I saw... On Jeopardy the other day, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I guess, was was hosting. So it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, was hosting. There was a category that said NFL quarterbacks. And of course, he wants to host Jeopardy. So it said NFL quarterbacks. The answer was, I don't know. So what's the question? It, Ira, what's the? Okay, Ira, your time's up. The question was, how does the story end? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Pete, how does the story end? Your, your guess is as good as mine. It could go Carson Palmer and maybe maybe Rogers cools off. Who knows? It's going to be a roller coaster and a bumpy ride and all sorts of leaks and national stories. And um, it's probably it, it could end up getting pretty ugly, too. You know, Clark, I, I want to remind Pete, and, and, and I'm sure he remembers it. Uh, in the summer of 08, during the Farva uh, craziness, um, I wrote, and, and I wrote it kind of unequivocally, Pete, if you remember, that he was going to be a Buccaneer. And I splashed it across the page, and two days went by, and nothing happened. And then on that third day, all of a sudden, I think it was Jay Glazer reports that the Jets signed Brett Favre. Pete, I aimed high. When you aim for the king, you better not miss. <laughs> I do remember that, Ira. And look, you were not off base. I was I, had, I was in tight with somebody in his inner circle at that time, and that's where he wanted to go. And there was a couple days there where they were – the Favre camp was pretty sure that's where he was going. They, in fact, I think they were sure that's where he was going. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> you aim for the king, you got to hit him. Pete <laughs> Doherty, thanks so much for the time. You know what? Next time I see you, you just wave and say hello. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Uh, Claude, whatever. You're doing. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Pete. For joining us, Pete. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. You got it. That was Hall of Fame voter Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette. And Ira, um, I, I think it's a it's a fascinating story that, as I said, just isn't going to be resolved within uh, a short period of time. I don't know that it'll be resolved at all, but I do think back to 2010 when Carson Palmer played a similar situation with Cincinnati and he said, I'm not playing there anymore. The Bengals said, fine. And he didn't show up for training camp and he didn't show up for the season and mid season come the trade deadline. As you know what happened, they traded him to Arizona. I don't know that that's going to happen here because these are the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a Packers organization that operates very, um, sort of they, they they don't deviate from the norm they're very predictable and and i think they're going to stay the course here and try to stare him down and knowing aaron Rodgers, i don't think he's going to blink you know clark if this is all about um drafting jordan love and i think pete might be right and nobody's more embedded with green bay than pete doherty yeah. clark if that's the case look what the bucks did look what the bucks did i mean this is kyle trask you know the 64th pick in the draft but Clark, they have discussions with Brady going back two or three weeks where Jason Light says, we're, we're probably going to draft a quarterback, Tom. Now, that doesn't mm -hmm. sound like much, but it is. Yeah. And the Packers didn't do that with, with uh, Rodgers. And, and, and they're paying a price. They're still paying a price for that, Clark. No, no question about it. No question about it. And we've come so far that 
a year ago, nobody was talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks as the model franchise. Now, Ira, president no of the Chamber of Commerce, you are. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, I mentioned Cinco de Mayo when we started. You guys got plans? Ira, what are you doing tomorrow? You're killing me, Clark. I'm on a diet. You got me thinking about fajitas. You're killing me. <laughs> How about you, Ian? You're not on a diet. I, I got a one o'clock tea time after our recordings. <laughs> well, I do know this. We all have plans for tomorrow, and it involves an NFL GM appearing right here on the eye test for two. So who is it? Ira, you know? Well, they'll have to tune in and find out, my friend. You got it, Ira. Tune in tomorrow to find out who that individual is. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.